Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's worship together, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us, please? If you were able to attend our last cantata, our Christmas cantata, with a full 17-piece orchestra, well, guess what? They're coming back again. Yay! Although, we've had some donations already. We're still in need of funds to compensate these musicians for their many, many hours of practice and rehearsal and performances. If you'd be willing to support this music ministry, please mark your donation 
for the Special Music Fund. Thanks. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. Welcome to worship. This morning we have as a special guest our District Superintendent, Greg Hackett. Other announcements, the plastic Operation Christmas Child boxes are available for sale for $2 each in the narthex. These boxes will last many years and remind the recipients of the love of God. I would also say that there are cardboard shoe boxes, Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes back there. You can take as many as you want. We don't need any additional donations for that. There are also brochures that you need when you're packing a box. We're going to Bless shoeboxes November 14th, and then we'll take them to a distribution center that next week. First scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Word of the Lord. If you would pray with me. Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and give you thanks. We praise you for your never-ending love and grace. Let us always remember that we have been blessed to be a blessing and that to whom much is given, much is required. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Show us that we are all blind beggars and that when blind beggars see, they follow you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So last week, we started talking about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Do you guys remember that? It's not real fruit, is it? Did we have real fruit in class yesterday or last week? No, we didn't. It is the benefits, the things that we produce when we walk in the Spirit or when we follow Jesus. And Jesus tells us, We're told that you can tell a tree by the fruit it produces, right? So you can tell it's an apple tree because it has apples on it. And you can tell it's a lemon tree because it has lemons on it. It's the same thing with Christians, with people. We can tell whether, somebody can tell whether or not we're followers of Jesus by the things that we produce in our life. If we're producing anger and frustration and strife, all these hard things, maybe we're not following Jesus. But if we're producing love and kindness and joy, And if we're sitting up and listening to the children's sermon, then people will know that we're followers of Jesus, right? And that we have him in our lives and in our hearts. And we're going to continue talking about that today. What do you think happens to real fruit when you don't eat it? It rots and dies, right? Has anybody done that, right? You get the the bananas. It's always the bananas, right? One week you go through, like, it seems like 15 bananas. So then you buy a big bunch for the next week, and they all go bad. Nobody eats them. Is it just our house? No? Does anybody else have that? (laughs) It's usually with kids. And, And when you don't eat them, they go bad. And sometimes they go bad really fast, right? 
they never last for very long. Well, it's the same thing with the, the fruit that we produce. If we try to keep that fruit that we're producing to ourselves, it goes bad. It sours. It spoils. So the things that, that the Holy Spirit's uh, showing to the world through us, if we try to hide the love that we have, if we try to hide our kindness and our gentleness, our patience, if we try to keep those things just for ourselves and not share them with other people, they're going to eventually go bad and we're going to stop producing them. We're told in Matthew 5, 14 and 15 and 16 that we're the light of the world and we need to shine to the world around us, right? You don't light a candle and then hide it underneath something. What's the point of lighting the candle then? It's the same with producing fruit for the spirit. We don't produce fruit and then keep it to ourselves. It is meant to be a sign to everyone around us that we're believers in Jesus. That's right. You don't light a candle underneath anything because it'll catch on fire. That's exactly right. In fact, there was this really cool song that I grew up hearing, and I'm sure some of the grown-ups out here have heard before. And it comes from John 13, 35. But it says, they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love, they will know that we are Christians. If we take this fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us and, and we share it with the world, everyone will know that we're followers with Jesus without us ever even opening this and reading them the gospel. Because our lives become the gospel to them. That love that we show them becomes the gospel, the kindness, the joy, the happiness, the peace, the gentleness, the goodness, the self-control. All of those things that we produce with the Holy Spirit in us become that gospel to them. And they will, become, they will know Jesus better because of that. The Holy Spirit will enter into their lives because of that. They'll be more open to hearing God's word because of that. So when we take that fruit, we don't want to keep it hidden in our pantries and let it rot, right? We want to share it the whole, with the whole world. We want to pass it around, right? All right, let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and say, Dear God, help us grow in your spirit to produce your fruit and grow your kingdom all around us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, kiddos, we're going to exit through the back for Spark Worship. Pastor Sweet asked me to solicit your rainbows and rattlesnakes this morning, and I will emulate him by saying the first rainbow is what a joy it is to see all y'all here this morning. So let's pray. Almighty God, you have sent Jesus to show us how to live. Grant us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may follow him in faithfulness all the days of our lives. We are so grateful that you've heard our petitions and we await expectantly on your actions on them. We pray in Jesus' name as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. I guess it's my turn now. <laughs> I had this wonderful experience. I was up here uh, sitting down and... Um, is it um, Nate and Noella?
they were saying, um, they were saying, who are you? <laughs> and I told them who I was. And, you know, I didn't say I'm the district superintendent. I said, uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, filling in for Jim today. And uh, they said, uh, so I said, is it okay if I do that? And they said, well, as long as Jim is coming back next week, it's okay for you to, <laughs> to talk today. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, uh, Jim and Rebecca are on a little vacation every now and then. People need, you know, some time to get away and do some things. And I said, aren't you ready for a vacation with school? And um, they all, <laughs> they went, yeah, we are. And then, then they started talking. They said, we're going on a cruise. And I said, oh, great. I said, have you ever been on a cruise? Yeah, we've been on a cruise. I said, well, what do you like best about a cruise? And, you know, you think, well, what are they going to like best? You think, well, they'll say the swimming pools or they'll, they'll say, the, you know, the kids' clubs or whatever it is that they do on cruises. No, do you know what uh, Nate said? The buffet. That's what he said. <laughs> and I, I said, he's an old soul. I like it. <laughs> Well, I wanted to, uh, this is a rattlesnake. Uh, Jim and uh, Rebecca are in Baton Rouge right now. Lord, hear our prayer. <laughs> and uh, they're on their way to Florida for a few days, and uh, they're just to kind of relax and recover and to come back and be refreshed. So it's, uh, it's good to do that. I, when I was negotiating with Jim a date, I was, um, I was thinking about charge conferences. You know, one of the big jobs of district superintendents is to go from church to church and do charge conferences. And so for the next uh, eight weeks, I'm going to be doing uh, 12 charge conferences every weekend. So uh, it, we're, I was looking at my schedule, and um, Jim said, uh, if you come on October 24th, we'll give you pumpkin bread. <laughs> and I said, sold. That's, <laughs> I'll be there. That's, it's not often I get paid. <laughs> Did you say there isn't any? Is that what you said? <laughs> I saw one. I know I saw it. I, that's why. Let me read the scripture before, before I take up all my time just telling jokes. The scripture uh, for this morning is out of Mark. It's Mark 10, uh, 46 through 52. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples in a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was, stand, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, Rabbi, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Miracles. When we read the Bible, the stories of Jesus, and especially in Mark, we see one miracle after another. And that makes our postmodernistic, rationalistic, scientific worldview almost go spinning it seems as though some people see miracles in everything, and then there's others who won't see a miracle if, even if it happened right in front of their face. In the text for today, the Gospel of Mark, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. Is this a miracle? Is this something that actually happened? 
that really physically happened, or is it something that had more to do with perception than actual nature changing? And my answer to a question like this is an unqualified yes to both. Because my definition of a miracle is God making a way where there seems to be no other way. God making a way when there seems to be no other way. Some miracles are based on perception. I'm fo- I've been following, the, I followed during the, in, this, in the early 2000s, the process of Mother Teresa uh, being canonized towards sainthood. And uh, I think if anybody in the 21st century qualifies to be a saint, it's Mother Teresa. And uh, so I was interested in how they would uh, go through the process of doing that. As you know, they can, she was canonized in 2016. She is a saint. And uh, one of the qualities, one of the qualifications was you have to have two verifiable miracles. And that's hard in today's day and time, right? Because of our scientific worldview, we really, it's hard to, to have those unqualified miracles. She had one in the bag, one that, one that had happened while she was still alive and everything was good and, and everything was uh, qualified. Yeah, it's even one is something else. It's a miracle to have one miracle, right? Okay. <laughs> and, but the, uh, the second one really was a long time in coming, and they, they did a lot of study. There were, there were a number of uh, uh, attestations toward miracles, but they couldn't, they, they couldn't verify it. They, they had trouble putting it together. All of the Catholic theologians had a difficult time justifying it. And finally, they did, uh, they did find the second miracle. It was quite a process of evaluating each and every claim in order to make sure if it was a miracle or not. Getting sainthood is difficult today because a lot of miracles depend on perception. Miracles depend on how we see things. Perception affects how we see life. One time a man went into a doctor's office and uh, he was complaining of pain in various parts of his body. And he said, you know, doc, whenever I push here, he pushed on his knee, whenever I push here, it hurts. And whenever I push here, and he pushed on his side, it hurts. And whenever I push here, he said, it hurts. And the doctor said, my friend, you have a broken finger. (laughs) Perception. It's, 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 it's about perception. A miracle is God making a way where there seems to be no way. The scripture today talks about a miracle, a physical healing. But I believe that there's more to the miracle than Bartimaeus just simply regaining his sight. There's three things that I want us to remember in this experience. First, we need to know who we are. Second, we need to know what we want. And third, we need to know what we are to do. If you turn to your Bibles to Mark uh, chapter 10, I just want to put this into context with you. You can trace Jesus' journey. Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem for Passover. And his travels with, with him and the disciples take him through Jericho. As you know, Jericho is located near the Dead Sea, which is the lowest place on earth. It's 800 feet below sea level. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating experience to just go down from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. It's 3,000 feet from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea, 17 miles. So he's going to, through Jericho. Jericho in that day and time was a uh, trade center. And a lot of, uh, because of the Jordan River, it uh, became, it's a water source. The Jordan River was a main water source in Israel. And so it was, became kind of a trade center and a trade route for, uh, for most Jews in that time. So <clears throat> what Jesus is doing is he's taking this road along with thousands of other pilgrims from Jericho to Jerusalem. 
If you look at chapter 10, verse 33, <clears throat> Jesus is not just going for the regular Passover meal. He tells the disciples who he is. He tells them that he is the son of man. He tells them what he wants. He wants to go to Jerusalem, not just to celebrate the Passover with thousands of other Jews, but what he wants to do, Jesus says, he tells them, he's going to fulfill God's purpose. That's what he's going to do. And we need to know who we are. We need to know what we want, and we need to know what we're to do. Just a, a little further in Scripture, you have, to, you have to just imagine Jesus and the disciples are walking down the road. There's um, the Mount of Temptation on the right side. There's the Jordan River on the left side. And Jesus is going to fulfill God's purpose. This is what's in his head. He's going to his destiny. And then to his, to his right and to his left, these two disciples come up, James and John, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee. They come up to him, and they ask Jesus a specific question. You know what it is? When you come into your glory, would you allow us to... One of us to sit on your left hand and one of us to sit on your right hand. <laughs> what a presumptuous thing to say. <laughs> As Jesus is going to his destiny, which he knows is going to happen. He's headed up for Passover, but he knows he's going to fulfill God's purpose. He's going to his destiny, and here they come, and they, and they ask those two questions. Jesus just turns to them, and he says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Jesus said, you may think you know who you are. Now, who did they think they were? They thought they were better than the other disciples, didn't they? Can we sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand? Can we have first place? That's who they thought they were. You may think what you want, but you don't know the price there that is to pay in order to get what you want. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, knew who he was. He knew who he was because of his very name. Bartimaeus in Hebrew, bar, means son, and Timaeus means unclean or defiled. So Bartimaeus was the son of the, of the defiled. He knew who he was. He was a sinner. In ancient thought, an illness or a disease was an indication of a sin that had been committed by either that person or even their father or their grandfather or even unto the third generation. So Bartimaeus knew who he was. He was unclean. He was a sinner. He'd spent his life begging beside the side of the road, totally dependent on what little scraps people would throw him and have pity on him. Bartimaeus, he knew who he was. He was a sinner. He was a son of a sinner. He was in desperate need of salvation. That should sound familiar to us. There's been a lot of research that um, if you do any kind of family systems theory and uh, people will do, they'll look at their family and they'll look at, at, at the various branches of their family and they'll actually trace things, uh, psychological things that can come on and can be passed on generation to generation. My grandfather had fits of rage and uh, as, as he, would, he would be okay, and then if you, especially if you mixed alcohol with it, he would have these outbursts of rage. And uh, he eventually died in a sanitarium. And uh, my mother, who was, her, was his child, my mother spent most of her life trying to undo that dysfunction. But you know what? That trait passed down to me. 
And I've spent my life trying to deal with fits of rage too and trying not to pass that on to my children. The sin can be passed generationally. Bartimaeus knew who he was. He was a sinner. He was separated from God and from people and himself. And I know who I am too. I am also a sinner. I stand in need of the grace and the salvation that only God can provide. We need to know who we are. Second, we need to know who, what we really want. Bartimaeus, sitting beside, on the side of the road, heard the commotion. When he heard that Jesus was coming, he immediately shouted out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People around him tried to quiet him down because they knew what he wanted, but he only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus heard not because of the, the volume, not because Bartimaeus was louder than anybody else, but because Bartimaeus was shouting out a statement of faith, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You got to really know what you want. He, he really wanted to be healed. Notice he never mentioned his eyes. Just this, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. I run on a regular basis, and when you run, you're breathing. I, <laughs> I, I run, and at first, you know, I'm, th I'm doing lists in my head, and I do, you know, the grocery list and all, and what I have to do in the next day and the next week and things like that. I run lists in my head. And then uh, after a while, after you run for a while, that you forget about the list. All you want to do is breathe, and you're, you're, worrying, you're hoping you don't pass out. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, then your knees start hurting and, uh, and everything, and you start worrying about those kinds of things. And then you get to a point where, uh, where it's just this rhythm that you get into. And I find that that's when I can actually open myself up to God in prayer. And when I do that, during my, during when I run, I, I, I intentionally, I think this. When I breathe in... I, I, I think, have mercy. When I breathe out, I think, the prayer is, <laughs> uh, Son of, Lord, uh, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, when I'm running, it turns into mercy, sinner. Mercy, breathing in, sinner, breathing out. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And then I can open up to God's presence in my life. And that's when my prayer time actually begins. We need to know who we are. We need to know what we really want. We all stand in the need of grace. Jesus turned to Bartimaeus. And I think if we put ourselves into that context once again, he turned toward Bartimaeus. And you know what's going on in Jesus' head. He, he knows who he is. He knows what his purpose is. He's going, he's on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem to do what? To fulfill, to fulfill God's will. And uh, so you know, and you know what's God's will? It's ultimately going to be the cross, isn't it? So he's going up. You know, his mind is not on all this that's going on. His, not, his mind is not on what James and John were asking him about. <laughs> his mind was really singularly focused on what he was got, about to do in Jerusalem and what he was going to say up there. And uh, Bartimaeus is kind of a distraction for him. And uh, so he kind of, I think he's a, kind of a short answer. Bartimaeus comes up to him and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Doesn't that sound like a short kind of thing? It's sort of dismissive. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus, say, Bartimaeus says, it's very simple. He says, Rabbi, teacher, let me see again. You notice he never mentions his eyes. Let me see again. Now, how many of us need the same thing 
to ask from Jesus. Let me see again. Let me be able to see the world through your eyes. Let me love the world with your love, Lord. Let me seek your will, not my will. Let me do your will. Let me know your will. Not my will, but thine be done. Teacher, let me see again. To be honest, I don't know if I would even want to ask that of Jesus. Because I don't know if I could handle what Jesus would see this world as. With the political wrangling, with the environmental concerns, with prejudice and discrimination so evident around us, to see the world with the eyes of Jesus could be overwhelming. Have mercy on me. Jesus, looking down at Bartimaeus, said, Go, your faith has made you well. God makes a way when there is no way. In the healing of Bartimaeus, it was more than just making his eyes work. Part of the healing was helping him to see, to understand himself in a new way. We need to know who we are. We need to know what we want. And we need to know what we are to do. Jesus didn't tell Bartimaeus to do anything. My impression is, is that Jesus had his mind on other things. And he was really intended, intended, intent on continuing his journey to Jerusalem. He didn't stop and have dinner like he did with Zacchaeus, who was from Jericho also. Jesus didn't uh, stop and have, it, and have this be a teachable moment and uh, preach a sermon on how we ought to treat others and not label them with names that ostracize them. He didn't do that. He just continued on. And the scripture says that Bartimaeus, after having received his sight, followed Jesus. That's it. He knew who he was. He knew what he wanted. And he knew what he was to do. And what was he to do? Follow Jesus. Friends, we are saved to serve. We are saved to follow Jesus. We know who we are, and that's plain and simple. We're sinners. We all stand in need of that grace that only God can give. We're all in need of that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Like, we're saved to serve. We don't live to ourselves. We don't live to our own desires and wants and perceived needs because that's not what we really need. We may think this is what we want, but what we need is a living relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if we really want that, it means to follow him. We're saved to serve. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I know who I am. Your faith has made you well. God meets our deepest need. And he followed him on his way. We are saved to serve. Thanks be to God. Amen. Sometime this week, God is going to call you to be the church. You know who you are. You know what you need. Now what are you going to do? Let me suggest. You heard Jesse, and I tell you, one of the things that shocked me is she said they've got 14 stations out here for, uh, for trunk or treat or something. 
14 stations. Did you see how many volunteers she's got? Zero. You know what that's going to do this week? She's going to have to get on the phone and beg. Do the best act of grace that you can <laughs> and volunteer to man one of those booths if you can do that. That's one of the things you can do. But you can also listen for God's voice in your life and respond. Be the church where you are and go with this blessing. May the, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his peace to shine upon you, his grace to shine upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. strong and true no